The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, diabetes isn't like you break a leg and you go into the hospital and you get a cast and you come back in three months time and it's fixed. Like you go into your endo or whatever it might be for 20 minutes and then for the next six months, boom, it's you. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. As always, thank you for joining us. We are delighted to have you here to answer and ask more diabetes-related questions based on myself and Graham's experience. Graham, what's happening? All good, Owen. How are you? Did you have a good weekend? We're recording this on Monday morning. Actually, how's your COVID before we get into it? Are you feeling a lot better? Yeah, I'm feeling grand. Like compared to the last time that I had it, it's been completely fine. I've had almost no impact on blood sugar at all. I've but okay. I suppose the only physical thing that I've noticed is I'm just really tired in the mornings. Now maybe that's because the mornings are are colder and and darker, but yeah. like even this morning I was getting out of bed, it was a struggle. So I think it might be just a bit of fatigue from COVID itself, but hopefully we'll get past it. How's things with you? All good. I'm actually just going to stop for two seconds because uh, uh, before we press record, I went to pour myself a glass of water and now the tap is dripping and it's doing my head in. So if you give me two seconds, Owen. It's like that, uh, that form of torture. That's better. Do you ever hear about that, Graham? Well, that, that I, I'm pretty sure I've read it somewhere. There's like a form of torture where they just drop a single drop of freezing cold water onto your forehead every... Oh, waterboarding. Yeah, it's horrendous. No, that's not waterboarding, is it? Is waterboarding... Is that not waterboarding for... Oh, no, waterboarding, no, waterboarding is... When you, the, like, we're turned upside down and a towel was put over your face or something. The drop. I've heard about the drop, yeah. Maybe we should just do an episode where we talk about different types of torture. <laughs> that was the new job for... For anybody who doesn't know, Graham is a a nationwide, incredibly famous 
radio presenter and he's recently started a new job. So Graham, how's the new job? Well, if you don't know, I moved to my competitor. So that was a that was a big move. Yeah, it was a big talk within the Irish radio industry. So it was great. I, I had the summer off. I probably touched upon it. And I started, this is my fourth week I'm starting. So I used to do breakfast radio and I would do drive time for Irish people. FM 104, tune in between three and seven. <laughs> Thank you so much. Graham and Nathan, 104 drive. Yeah, I'm loving it. <laughs> I've got a completely different schedule now because I used to get up in the morning. We were just talking about that before we pressed record. I used to get up at five every morning, go in for work at six, and then I'd be finished by like 12. While now I'm going in for about 12, half 12, and I don't finish till seven. So my my day is completely flipped, but I'm loving it. I'm not as tired anymore. And even though I'm probably doing longer days, which aren't full working days that normal people do, I do appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it is. It's a lot of fun. And then today we have our outdoor marketing campaign, which is launched. So which is if, what? You're, if you're driving around Dublin, you'll see. Oh, is this where you're going to be on Dublin bus and everything? Uh-huh. So today, this morning it launched. So you'll see me on billboards, buses and digi- dig- digital ad spaces around Dublin City. So look out for it if you you're, are if you're listening so to life. famous. Girl. I am so f- and look at me here. I still give back to the type one diabetic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny because since you started, obviously we've been in contact with each other at different times. And I was so used to never speaking to you after like 7 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> because I know you'd be going to bed so early. And now getting a text off yet like 10 or 11, I'm like, it it it's strange for me to even be talking be talking to you that late um and as well there was, there was actually a few people on instagram who had messaged me who are obviously from ireland and had listened to the radio show but didn't realize that you were the same person oh really yeah so <laughs> so i got a couple of messages on instagram saying uh, oh my god oh my god i was listening to fm 104 or maybe the previous one when it happened which we won't name and um they were like, I thought I had on the Insulon podcast, but it was FM 104. And I, I didn't realize that Graham does the radio show and the ah. podcast. Thank you for anybody who listens to both the FM 104 show and the Insulon podcast. What do you prefer? Obviously, the Insulon podcast. Mm. I get to do it in my living room. It's unreal. Exactly. And we get to talk about diabetes. And we're going to ask you some questions now on. Okay, let's, let's go. Let's go. Move on. <laughs> uh, episode 136 some quick fire questions i actually think these are my favorite episodes because we get quick concise information from owen based directly off questions from you on his instagram and if you don't follow him at insel owen i'm sure you already do but let's kick off question number one owen what app can you use to monitor your blood sugar that connects to your apple watch so what I use is, so I use a Dexcom, obviously, and Dexcom is monitored through your sensor to the app on your phone, and then the app on your phone goes to the app on your watch. So basically, you download the Dexcom app onto your watch, and then you can monitor it through there. Um, I'm pretty sure the Freestyle Libra has one too, and... Yeah, pretty sure that's a hit. I'm sure it does because you have to scan it with your phone. So I presume the freestyle. Yeah, I I presume they have the app that you scan it, or is it a QR? No, it's not QR code. 
so so that's a, a flash um flash sensor basically as you say you scan it then you get the reading presume I, i'm pretty sure you can get it on your watch i'm not entirely sure um but dexcom absolutely uh that's what i use okay. also just to be just to clarify it's not the watch that monitors your blood sugar it's it's your sensor that goes to the app then the app goes to your watch because a couple of people asked me before i think through instagram does my watch itself monitor my blood sugar? Ah. Unfortunately not. That would be extremely handy. Um, but no, Dexcom is what I use, and that's the app that I use for my watch. So question number two, why does my BG go up before coming down when I give myself insulin? Good question. Obviously, BG presumably means blood glucose. Um, and generally, your blood sugar will go up and come back down if your insulin timing is slightly off, right? So when we eat food, obviously the food that we eat will typically spike our blood sugar before our insulin is fully active, before it brings our blood sugar back down. Now, this can depend on the type of insulin that you take. For example, FIASP is a faster acting, fast acting insulin. And that typically starts working between like four or five to seven-ish minutes. Whereas Nova Rapid is what I take and the onset time is roughly about 15 minutes. So to make sense of that, basically that highlights the importance of a pre-bolus. So a pre-bolus is taking your insulin before your food, which essentially gives your insulin some time to start working pretty much in your body. So that when your food is then released into your system, the insulin can counteract it at the same time. So basically when you pre-bolus, so again, to give an example, I will take my insulin 15 minutes before I start eating. So that 15 minutes, my insulin can get start working, start doing its thing. And then when I eat, ideally because I've taken my insulin 15 minutes before, hopefully, again, ideally, my blood sugar will be kept relatively flatlined. So if your blood sugar is going up and then back down, that's an indication that your insulin timing may need to be lengthened. Question number three, I'm always too hungry to pre-bolus. How do you make it a habit? (laughs) I've heard this one so many times and I go through this with clients all the time. I completely understand and appreciate the fact that a pre-bolus, it's actually a good question to follow the one we've just we've just answered i completely understand and appreciate that a pre-bolus is an annoying thing to do nobody wants to pre-bolus right i don't want to take an injection of insulin and then wait 15 minutes before my food but that 15 minutes before your food can save you such a headache with your blood sugar because that 15 minutes you give your insulin before food can prevent your blood sugar going up really high and staying high for one, two, three hours, potentially, depending on whatever you're eating or the amount of insulin that you've taken. And the way I always say it is, if you're too hungry to pre-bolus, if you you feel as if you're too hungry to pre-bolus, you haven't just gotten hungry. And I feel very passionate about a pre-bolus because it's a relatively simple thing to do, but it has such a massive impact on your blood sugar. And you get such a huge return on investment 
for something that's typically quite easy to do. So if you're already hungry, if you feel that you're too hungry to pre-bolus, you haven't just gotten hungry. You've probably been hungry for the last three or four hours. So if you've not eaten for the last three or four hours and you're hungry, in my opinion, you can wait another 15 minutes. And it's like, for me, when you create this as a habit or have it in your mind as something that's a non-negotiable throughout your day, when you can do it, obviously it's difficult to do it if you've limited time for lunch in school or work or whatever it might be. But in my opinion, if you are at home or you're making your own food or whatever it is, a pre-bolus should just be a non-negotiable because you get so much back from just waiting 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it saves you a big, big, big headache just by saying, look, I'm taking my insulin at 3 p.m. I'm going to take my first bite of food at 3.15. For me, it's just a non-negotiable. If you're hungry, you've been hungry for the last three or four hours, so you can wait another 15 minutes. Excellent. Okay, let's move on to question number four. What is the best exercise for fat loss? Ooh, good question. And not specifically related to diabetes, which is kind of (laughs) nice. So the reality of it is there isn't the best exercise for fat loss, right? And oftentimes we can be under the impression that we can reduce fat in a specific area of our body with certain types of exercises. That just does not happen, right? People think that if I do a load of sit-ups or I do a load of crunches, then I will lose fat around my belly. It doesn't work that way. You lose fat overall from your whole body rather than just around your waist or your thighs or your hips or your arms or whatever. And the best analogy that I use is if you're to fill up the bath with water. Oh, I love these. Here we go. Here we go. Strap (laughs) in. Strap in. We got an insulin analogy. I, I I, I hope I explain this better. Well, so if you fill up the bath with water, right? And then you take a pint glass of water and you take out a pint of water from the left side of the bath. Oh. Do you see a reduction in the water just on the left side? Or does the overall level of the water slightly reduce? Look at this, huh? That's a good one. That's a good one. Answer me, Grant. Answer me. Owen, I believe... Well, does it depend on the uh, angle of the floor and the shape of the bath? <laughs> okay, we're going <laughs> to say that like, we can be sure that the floor is perfectly stable. That's one of your standard baths. Standard bath. Oh, and I believe it's the whole level. It's the whole level. It's the whole level. So fat loss is the same, right? You cannot reduce fat around a specific part of your body. Much like the bath water, you lose fat overall. Do you know, this is kind of related, but unrelated as well. It, it kind of, society has made us believe that if you do sit-ups, you will get a six-pack just by doing sit-ups because you see those infomercial ads where they give like th- those ab crunchers. And it's like, it's if you just do this for 10 minutes a day, every day, you will get a six-pack. I'm like, yes, because you were using a fitness model to do the six packs who <laughs> yeah, already Cristiano has a six Ronaldo pack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's yeah. like, of course they're going to get a six pack. They already have it. They've been training for 20 years and have an insane diet. Yeah, 100%. Now, of course, genetics can come into play here where, you know, some people may be more inclined to carry body fat in a certain area more than another area. Now, generally speaking, people will have, for example, leaner arms and shoulders compared to your stomach because typically belly fat or thigh fat or hip fat will be the last to be tackled essentially let's put it that way Mm -hmm. right so you'll carry most of your body fat in and around those types of areas typically so you can't specifically target a certain area to reduce fat in that area some places just naturally may be slightly leaner than others and then of course it's important to outline that you can build muscle which can make certain areas seem more defined and more lean you know obviously if you want a six-pack you need to actually build your abdominal muscles at the same time but if that's being covered by a layer of fat it's going to be very difficult to see it another couple things just to point out in terms of i know this person asked for the best exercise and i didn't really talk about exercise at all so obviously what i would do is i would prioritize resistance training so resistance training or weight training Because when we build and retain muscle, now again, if you build muscle, it doesn't mean like you're going to turn into a bodybuilder. That just doesn't happen. But building and retaining muscle with a mix of cardio, as in like getting a certain amount of steps per day, when you build and retain muscle, your body actually uses up more calories to maintain that muscle. So when you build and retain muscle, you actually burn more calories at rest at the same time. So prioritizing resistance training as part of your week or your program is a very good idea. For anyone who isn't aware of resistance training, what is it? Yeah, so resistance training could be squats, push-ups, bench press, pull-ups, dips, anything that's causing some sort of resistance, like bicep curls, these types of, of training. So you don't need to be in the gym, pumping the gym six days a week. This could be you at home doing a few bodyweight workouts. This could be resistant bands, work, resistance band workouts, these kind of things. But getting some sort of resistance training into your week is a very, very good idea. We've actually done a specific episode on this, haven't we? Yep. We have. We did it. Um, we did it on the turn of the new year, not this year, the year before. So it's, uh, it's I'd say it's nearly two years ago now since we we launched. Mm. We did three in a row. We did high intensity resistance and interval. Uh, yes, we did three in a row. I think it was. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <clears throat> Another couple points. I know I'm spending more time on, on this question, but it's important. Um, prioritize protein intake right? The vast majority of people do not eat enough protein. And if you want to lose body fat, fueling yourself with sufficient amounts of protein is a very good idea. Protein itself is a very satiating food, which basically means that it keeps you more full for longer and can therefore make you less inclined to overconsume on foods that you may not necessarily want to overconsume with. Protein is also 
well, protein basically has a higher thermic effect than carbohydrate and fat, which basically means that you use up or expend or burn more calories purely just by digesting protein. So ideally, I would always say try and get 20, 30, 40-ish grams of protein per meal if your goal is fat loss and or muscle building. But the most important point, if you want to lose body fat, you have to be in a caloric deficit. You will not lose body fat if you are not in a calorie deficit. And that basically means that you are consuming less calories than you are expending. So it's like calories in and calories out. So people put far, far, far too much emphasis on just the exercise that they're doing. Yes, of course, that aids with you being in a calorie deficit, but it's so much easier to consume more calories than burn more calories. So the first thing you want to do is take a look at your diet, make sure you are in a calorie deficit, because if you are not in a calorie deficit, you will not lose body fat. And if you want to check out those full episodes, I had a look there uh, while I dropped everything while you were explaining <laughs> that. Uh, cardio, high intensity, and um, let me oh, tell you. Jeez, it's chaos on the podcast today. Pens <laughs> dropping, <laughs> insulin alarms going off. <laughs> uh, episode number 46, 47, and 48 is cardio, high intensity, and weight training. And you won't believe it you will not believe it you lucky bite-sized episode fans you've got them to look forward to at the end of the month the 31st of october is cardio halloween and the next one be hit and the next one be weight training so they're coming up in a few weeks as well talk Um, about a halloween treat go out and (laughs) run so what's happening here now Owen? what are you taking so i'm taking my long-lasting insulin which is an I'm I'm speaking slightly different because of my, I have my pen cap in my mouth. Um, so I'm taking my long-lasting insulin, which is Lantus, which is 12 units, 10 a.m., 12 units, 10 p.m. Um, and that was obviously my alarm that went off for me to remember. So lucky you, Graham, you get to see me take it, Where are you on, gonna inject on it? camera. Into where you're injecting to? Okay, so Owen has stood up now. He's unzipping his pants. He's pulling down, and he's doing. Are you doing it to a bum? Oh, what what an honor! I get to watch Owen inject it into his ass. Backside, well, please. Backside, backside. His bum, his bottom. There you go. Wherever you're Look from. At you. That was an honor. I've on never a, got to see a, that before. On a Monday morning. What a way to start the week. There you go. It's it's only down from here. Zip it up there now. Good to go. I got to admire the fact that you're in your office. Um, your office is in your house and you're wearing jeans. I would constantly be wearing tracks and bottoms for comfort. I feel I work better when I'm in quote unquote proper clothes. Wow. I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd be wearing shorts all the time. But see, like if, if I'm hanging around in a pair of tracksuit bottoms, I feel as if I'm not in the, zone. the right headspace yeah. to do what I need to do. So I'll go, I'll be like editing the podcast before I go 
into the radio show and I'll be so comfy and I'll be so wet in the podcast. And I go, oh, I've got to put on jeans and real clothes now. <laughs> yeah. Just, go, the just go into work in your tracksuit bottoms. All right, we'll move on. Question Please. number five. And it's, it's a question I've always thought of. And thank you to someone who ever asked it. Do you take insulin? <laughs> the timing couldn't have been better. I, it's almost like every part of this podcast has just been perfectly timed. Is that serendipity? Is that what that means? I think so, yeah. Because we had two questions after each other. Yeah. The bite size episodes coming out about the exercise. And now this. Okay. So do I take insulin? Yes, I take insulin. I think I know who this question was from. Well, I do know who this question was from. And there was a question box put up on Instagram yesterday asking what is the quote unquote most interesting thing your endo has said to you? Now, some of the questions were or some of the answers were unbelievable to, to say the very least. Some things that people have been told or just crazy stuff but from my own personal experience um the funniest thing that i was asked by a gp was am i taking insulin do i take insulin you got asked that i got asked that by your endo no not by my endo by by a gp sorry a few years ago a gp and i i was obviously quite shocked and i said yes i do Yes, I, do take, yes, I, I would take probably insulin. be dead if I yeah. didn't. I wouldn't be here. Um, so yeah, that's what that question is. So the answer, in short, is yes, I take insulin. <laughs> I kind of I, just probably someone who just doesn't get it. A GP who doesn't get diabetes, yeah, presumably, and like are so removed from diabetes mm. that they're like don't even know. Mm. what they're even asking it's like uh, you're taking insulin yeah mm. <laughs> my god see it's an interesting one because i i hear it all the time like no exaggeration probably every day of the week i either have a conversation or i get a message or an email or something from somebody who has had let's say an interesting experience with a doctor or an endo. Uh, look, I'm not taking anything away from them in any way, but there are a lot of type one diabetics who, and I know people listening to this can, can probably relate to it. There are a lot of type one diabetics out there who feel there is at times a disconnect mm -hmm. between them living their life with type one diabetes and them going to maybe an endo appointment because Learning about type 1 diabetes is a completely different experience to living with type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And again, not taking anything away from doctors in any way, but there can be a disconnect in relation to the reality of actually living with the condition. And unless you live with the condition, you have no idea mm. the complexity of it. You have no idea of the complexity and intricacies of the physical, emotional, and mental side of diabetes. You just don't. And a lot of people living with type 1 can be affected by that disconnect. 
because sometimes it can be very daunting. It can be intimidating going into these sort of appointments. And when people don't feel understood or people don't feel heard, even in relation to how difficult it can be to live with the condition at times, that can have a negative impact in the sense that maybe that relationship might be broken with somebody's endo or somebody may even become rebellious towards their own management because they have had this negative experience and they don't feel as if the people who are supposed to be helping them just don't really understand it. So yeah, I think that disconnect sometimes can be difficult for people. And I would love if that gap was bridged consistently because for a lot of people, those appointments can, what am I even trying to say? Those appointments can, can be extremely intimidating for people. And if they're constantly feeling highs and constantly feeling lows and they're under pressure to manage their diabetes and they don't know what to do and they're really struggling. If there's quick judgment in those appointments, like, oh, you should do this or why aren't you doing this or X, Y, and Z, it's not a good thing. And I feel, what am I, what am I even trying to say? I just feel as if that, that disconnect needs to be connected because mm-hmm. Diabetes isn't like you break a leg and you go into the hospital and you get a cast and you come back in three months time and it's fixed. Like you go into your endo or whatever it might be for 20 minutes and then for the next six months, boom, it's you. And it's important that we can leave those appointments feeling good about the next three, six, 12 months that we need to manage your diabetes. It's funny because when I saw that question, I was like, oh, this will be kind of a, a funny answer and stuff. But that was probably one of the most profound things you've said in the last few weeks on the podcast. I really enjoyed listening to that because I've no idea what it's like. I've, I'll never, and I, I'm, maybe I will, maybe I will someday. Hmm. But I can only imagine how intimidating it can be to, to go in and to, like, I'm sure not every endo or GP is like that, but I'm sure it does happen in a lot of cases. And it's just like, I I really need help here and I need someone to understand me and I need someone to support me and I don't feel like I'm going to get it and I don't know Mm. where to turn. So, Mm. yeah. Wow. And look, and I suppose from my experience, because because my life is just centered around diabetes, you know, like with the podcast, with the work I do, whatever. So I'm confident of my management, you know, that kind of way. But that's kind of like a a luxurious position to be in. So I... I'm not as intimidated going into these appointments, you know, but somebody who is newly diagnosed and they just don't know what's going on and they might not even have the time to really look at all these different variables that we need to consider. And it can be extremely daunting or intimidating going into those appointments. And the example that comes to mind with this, when I talk about how, unless you live with it, you just don't get it because that's, that's a fact. Okay. And, Again, the example that I think of is when we had Justine Whitchurch on from Australia, and she was obviously talking about her experience with alcoholism, these kind of things. But her daughter lives with type 1 diabetes. So for years, Justine was obviously helping her daughter manage her diabetes. And probably the closest relationship somebody can have with diabetes without being diabetic 
is having a child that lives with diabetes. Because obviously, if they're a child, a lot of the responsibility is down to you in terms of counting carbs and taking insulin, remembering to do these things. So it's a very intimate relationship, despite you not having diabetes yourself. And a question that I wanted to ask Justine, and obviously I did when we did the podcast, I asked her after she was diagnosed herself, I said, did your relationship with diabetes or your opinion or your perspective of diabetes change when you got it, even though you have spent years managing and monitoring it so closely with your daughter? And without hesitation, she said, 100%. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. And I was kind of taken aback, but also not surprised. And she said, living with it is completely different. And that in itself perfectly outlines and highlights how different an endo's opinion or experience or perspective of diabetes can be to a patient that lives with diabetes. It is worlds apart and i have heard of a number of di- or a number of endos who live with diabetes themselves which is an unbelievable thing and i'm sure those appointments are amazing to go into but it's important and maybe there is an endo or a doctor or a nurse listening right now it's important that you understand the complexity of a life with type 1 diabetes that's important think that's all i wanted to say (laughs) and i think that's a really good place to end it i know we had a few more questions but i think that's a really nice way to end the podcast what do you think i think so didn't expect our quickfire instagram questions to go as deep as as it did but uh i love the deep meaningful and conceptual conversations that we have on this podcast from time to time so always a pleasure graham and if you have any stories or anything or if you're listening to that and Something just clicked in your mind and go, well, that's a story that I think the lads might want to read out. We would love to hear your stories. You can even send them in anonymously if you don't want your name read out or anything like that. You can get us on the Podcast at gmail.com. You can check in the description below to get the, um, the spelling of that if you need it. And own. I think that's all good. Absolutely. Really enjoy this episode, Graham. Good way to start off the week. I got and, to see uh, your bum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the real winner the, here. Yeah, you can get Graham screenshotting while, while, <laughs> while he's taking it. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, as always, <laughs> we appreciate you being on the podcast and, um, well, listening to the podcast. And if you are 40 years diagnosed, 30 years diagnosed, 10 years diagnosed, two days diagnosed, I guarantee you, there's something in this podcast you can relate to and you can benefit from because we've had some unbelievable guests on who have been recently diagnosed or who have been living with diabetes for 65 years who can offer unbelievable insight and guidance and value to this intricate and complex life that we all lead and uh, I'll leave you there have a great week have a good day look after your blood sugars look after yourself And I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.